What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? What is this? Are you trying to trick me? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, with December upon us and Christmas fast approaching, I thought it would be fun to put together an episode of some of my favorite Christmas stories from Season 1. I thought about telling some of my decorating stories and some of my shopping stories and realized I talked about a lot of that during the first season. And I also realized not everybody had a chance to listen to those stories back then. I mean, you can dig into the archive and find the full episodes if you want to. But to save you that step, I figured I'd put a few of them together today. I've got some stories in here about decorating and shopping and one of those really obscure Christmas decorations we had when I was a kid. Don't want to spoil it for you, but you'll have to listen to hear what this is all about. Here's a hint. It's about a tree that snows on itself. If you didn't get the chance to hear these stories the first time, I hope you enjoy them. And if you've been around long enough to have heard them the first time, I hope you enjoy them again. So here we go. Some of the best of my Christmas stories. Now, when I was a kid, we always decorated at Christmas. We had our Christmas traditions, and I've tried to pass those on to my kids, too. Now, the Christmas traditions that we had were not huge when I was a kid. There were certain things that we did, and there were certain decorations that we brought out every year. And my dad always decorated the same way outside every year. And my mom always had the same things that she put around every year. And I remember them. We didn't have a lot, but we had those traditional decorations that we brought out. Now, outside decorations were never a big thing. My dad was not a big, lay the lights out there and let the neighborhood know it's Christmas kind of guy. He was very low-key with his decorations outside. He'd put a wreath on the door, for sure. Always a wreath. And for some reason... He always hung wreaths on the cars. Believe it or not, he found ways to hang plastic wreaths on the front of both cars. That was a thing for him. He needed to have the wreath on the car. The other big thing he did when we were kids was he had this giant floodlight. He mounted it right above the front door. And he would put this green floodlight bulb in that fixture every Christmas, starting around December 1st. And every night we'd flick on that light. And the whole front of the house was bathed in green. And it looked very festive, if you like green, which I happen to do. And it looked Christmassy and all that. But I always thought that red would have been a better color. And I always urged him to get a red floodlight to put it out front. And my mother always said, well, no, we can't put a red light out front. And I always asked her why. And she said, we just can't. We can't put a red light on the front of the house. It wasn't until years later that I learned that red lights on the front of a house were signs of a house of ill repute brothels and my mom didn't want the house looking like a brothel if she'd have just said that to me i would have understood it but she was funny that way old gamer dude mom didn't want it to look like we were living in a brothel so we had our green floodlight that was our big decoration for many many years now after i moved out of the house my dad had found at an auction a giant metal star now when i say giant i mean it's four feet across and i know this because i still have it I can't bring myself to part with it. But here's what he did. It's a star made out of pieces of iron that are screwed together in the shape of a star. And it is literally four feet across. So he bought this star at an auction. I don't know how much he paid for it, but he had the inspiration. He was going to decorate the house with this star. And so he got lines and lines of white Christmas lights. And using electrical tape, 
He taped them all along the arms of the star. And then he had a long extension cord attached to it. And he would plug that in and he would hang that on a hook he put on the front of the house and using the extension cord would plug it in. And he had a four foot wide, four foot tall star blazing white on the front of the house. And for many years, that was his Christmas decoration. So between the green floodlight, which he always used, and the gigantic white star, you could always tell the house from literally miles away. I remember shopping. I remember going out and racking my brain for the right thing to get for everybody because that's what we were supposed to do. We had to give some thought to everything that we bought. And I remember my mother and father saying that. My mother's voice still echoes in my head about that. Well, make sure you give it a little thought. You don't want to just buy for the sake of buying. Buy something that shows you care. And I still do that because, you know, it makes sense. Just don't buy a piece of crap and hand it to them. Here, have a gift. Give some thought to it. And that was something my parents instilled in us. And you know something? That's a thing that's kind of lost these days. You don't just have to buy for the sake of buying. If you're going to bother going out to buy a gift, or if you're going to sit at your computer and search for something on Amazon, have in mind who you're shopping for and what you're getting. I learned that from my dad as well, because my dad always, always, always got my mother something that was meaningful to her, that was something that she wouldn't otherwise get for herself, and that was specific to her interests. My dad never bought my mother an appliance for a holiday, let alone Christmas. My dad didn't buy vacuum cleaners or frying pans or toasters. He didn't buy a recliner for her that he knew he would sit in. Yes, I'm giving examples of gifts that I've heard other people give to their wives. It's one of those, gee, just what I was hoping you'd get kind of gifts. You buy gifts that are specific. My dad, for instance, would find interesting art supplies for my mother, like an easel or a set of pastel crayons because she was into art and she was working with pastels. So he would go out and find pastels for her to use. He would buy her art supplies of various types because she was very into art. My mother loved music, so he would find things that were musically oriented. If he was at an auction, for instance, and he found an accordion, he knew she would like that. And so he would pick up the accordion for her and he'd stash it somewhere. If he found it in August, he would buy it in August and stash it and save it for Christmas. How do I know he did this? Because I saw him do it. And that's kind of where I learned to shop too. If you see something that you know is a significant gift, something that your significant other is really going to appreciate, grab it when you can and stash it and save it. I've done that for years. But yeah, my dad would buy things and stash them away for months until Christmas came up. And he did find things like accordions and concertinas and old guitars that he'd buy at an auction, stash it away, wrap it up nice, and give to her on Christmas. And she loved that because it not only showed that he cared, but showed that he paid attention. It showed that he knew what she liked. parents had found a two-foot-tall stuffed Santa Claus, and that was on the couch every single year for as long as I can remember. That was one of the traditional things that we put out. He had a plastic face and plastic hands and plastic boots, but the rest of him was a very firmly packed stuffed 
body. I don't know any other way to put it, but it was a rigid Santa Claus. That doesn't sound really good as I say it, but we had a very rigid Santa Claus, two feet tall, and he sat on the chair from December 1st through New Year's. That was one of the regular things that we brought out every year. Somewhere along the line, my mother had gotten the letters Noel, N-O-E-L, and she would put those out every year. I actually still have those too, and we put them out every year. It's one of those traditions, one of those Christmas traditions that gives me a tie back to the things that I had as a child, and we put them out every year, and I remember them, and I remember the times and the places my mother put them. My dad also had a thing for ceramic Christmas trees. Have you seen those? Do you know the things that I'm talking about? The ceramic Christmas trees usually come in green or sometimes white. They're anywhere between one to two feet tall, and they have those little bulbs that fit into holes in the ceramic branches. But my dad had a thing for those. And somewhere along the line, he picked up one or two at auctions. And every year we would put out uh, a green ceramic Christmas tree. And we had to be very careful because those little bulbs fall out of the branches. And we had to collect them up every year, put them in a separate bag and put it all in the box when we stored the tree away at the end of the season. And the way they work is the ceramic tree part fits on the base. And in the base is a fixture for a light bulb. And you put a light bulb in there. And when you turn it on, the light lights up all the little bulbs in the branches. And it's really a pretty thing. And my dad really, really loved those things. So much so, and much to my surprise, but he was collecting them for years. Long after I moved out of the house, he was always on the prowl for these ceramic Christmas trees. Now, I couldn't really tell the difference between the Christmas trees, but I'm assuming he put different ones out every year, because when the time came for us to clear out the house, we came across nine or ten different ceramic Christmas trees of various colors, various size, different paint jobs, different shades of green, a couple of white ones, all different colored lights in there, some all the same color lights. He had developed a fondness for these ceramic Christmas trees, and we had a bunch of them. I held on to a couple, but how many ceramic Christmas trees can you use? Maybe, maybe two, because that's how many I kept. But people love these things. We were able to to sell them at the estate sale that we had. But I was shocked to see how many he'd collected over the years. But they were a big thing for him. So we put out a ceramic Christmas tree to this day, just like my dad did. Nowadays, Christmas season has extended so long, you can start shopping in September and still be shopping in December. And that's all well and good if that's what you want to do. The problem is, and the tendency is, as I've seen over the years, is the longer you shop, the more stuff you get. And all of a sudden, Christmas becomes this ginormous festival of, here, have as much stuff as I can find for you that I thought you might be passingly interested in based on the fact that you mentioned it once in the past year. I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that if you want to give somebody 112 gifts. But I remember growing up, we would have maybe 10 gifts that we would open over the course of a holiday? Maybe? We've gotten to a point now where we're a little excessive at times with what we give. And I go back to those snow tires. I go back to the snow tires because, okay, what did they cost my parents? Back in those days, maybe a hundred bucks for a couple of snow tires. And a hundred bucks at the time was a huge amount for my parents to spend. And I don't really remember getting anything else that holiday. But you know what? I didn't need anything else. They cared enough to get me the thing that I needed. They spent the money that they needed to spend to get me the one thing that I wanted. And that one gift sticks in my head more than any other gift that I've ever gotten as a kid. Because I remember those snow tires to this day. 
Now, there's been certain other gifts over the years, too, that I've gotten that I remember fondly. But the ones from childhood that I remember the most were the unexpected gifts that came out of nowhere, really, because I didn't expect my parents to go get me the snow tires. Number one, they made it clear I was responsible for my car. And number two, I knew how expensive they were. So I didn't think that there was any way that they were going to give me two snow tires. But they did. And that's why it's so memorable, because it was something unexpected that I desperately needed. Now, before we get started, I know that there's going to be people saying, well, Die Hard is a Christmas movie that better make your list. I'm going to tell you right now, Die Hard is not on my list of favorite Christmas movies. And I'm going to tell you what my criteria are for Christmas movies. A Christmas movie can involve, of course, the themes about Jesus and all the religious aspects of the holiday. Let's not forget that's what the holiday season is supposed to be about. But a Christmas movie, it can be funny. It can be touching. It's supposed to be about the spirit of giving. It's supposed to have references to the Christmas spirit, references to family. It could be a comedic reference. It could be a heartfelt reference. It could be about love, coming together, struggling with family, fighting with family, having fun with family. It's something about being together and the joy and the happiness, the thrill of giving, the thrill of receiving, the thrill of finding love. These are all of the themes in a Christmas movie that, to me, make it a good Christmas movie. You don't get a lot of that in Die Hard. Yes, John McClane is worried about his wife, his family, his kids. There's a family aspect to it. Ho, 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 I have a machine gun. Yes, I get all that. It's a movie that sat at Christmas, but isn't a Christmas movie. And that's my position on it. I love Die Hard. It's one of my favorite movies. It's not a Christmas movie. The same argument could be made for Lethal Weapon, just so you know. It's set at Christmas. There's a Christmas tree involved in the ultimate scene at the end of the movie. One of the opening scenes is Riggs trying to buy a Christmas tree. But it's a crime drama buddy picture set at Christmas that's not a Christmas movie. One year, and I don't remember what year it was, I just remember I was very, very young. He had found a thing called the Snowmaker. It's a Christmas tree snowmaker. And he wanted to put that on the Christmas tree because he wanted to make it look Christmassy. Now, what the Snowmaker is, is this. Imagine your Christmas tree on its Christmas tree stand, sitting in the middle of your living room. What the Snowmaker was, was a gizmo where you would take that Christmas tree in its stand and put it in what was, in effect, a giant bowl. The bowl was made of cardboard, the one that we had. It was made of essentially just a cardboard box. It was a white cardboard with green and red trim painted on it, but it was nothing more than a giant cardboard bowl. As part of this gizmo, there was a tube that you would feed up through the center of the tree. At the bottom of the tube, at the base where the stand was, was a little vacuum motor. At the top of the tube was a tree topper in the form of an angel, and it fit on the top of the tube with a space between the top of the tube and the angel. Then what you would do is you would take a bag of little white pellets made of styrofoam and fill this bowl with the pellets. Then you'd turn the motor on, and it would suck the little pellets up through the tube and they would spray off the bottom of the angel at the top of the tree, and then sprinkle down on the tree to make it look like it was snowing. 
So essentially, you put your tree in a bowl, filled the bowl with snow pellets, turned it on, and it would snow on your tree. Conceptually, I think it's a kind of a nice idea. Oh, look, the tree's snowing. But the reality of the situation is you have a ginormous cardboard bowl sitting in your living room that is bigger than the tree base-wise because it has to be big enough to catch all of the snow that flies out of the angel as you turn the motor on. And you have little white styrofoam pellets floating through the air in a house with a dog and a cat and three kids. And I mentioned it sounds like a vacuum cleaner. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner, a very small vacuum cleaner, but still you turn it on and you've got a motor going. So imagine, if you will, the sound of a hairdryer or a small vacuum cleaner, like a dirt devil, whirring all night long to make it look like you have snow on your tree. Again, conceptually, great idea. In practice, it wasn't my dad's favorite gizmo. Let's just leave it at that. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you know my dad didn't like to get rid of anything. We saved everything. We saved two of everything. We saved five of everything. When I cleaned out the house after he was gone, there was five broken vacuum cleaners in the basement. So he saved everything. The one thing he never saved was this snow machine for the Christmas tree. I remember we used it one year. I don't remember ever seeing it again. And I don't remember seeing the box anywhere in the house ever again. It must have been so annoying to my dad. He must have hated that thing so much that he just got rid of it that one after that one year. But I still remember it. Oh boy, do I remember it. You know, I think if you go visit the house now, you can still find little styrofoam snow pellets somewhere in the house. And if you search for... Christmas tree snow kits online right now, you can find them. They've upgraded the bowl that you put your tree in these days. Now it looks more like an inverted umbrella. So instead of a giant cardboard box for your for your Christmas tree, now you just put it in a giant umbrella. It's a festive green, but it's still putting your Christmas tree in the middle of a bowl and sprinkling styrofoam pellets on it. Great in concept, not so much in practice. But no Christmas decorating is complete without considering the Christmas tree. Gotta have that in there too, right? We always had the Christmas tree tradition as well. That was, as I got older, to go out and cut a live tree. It wasn't always that way. I do have vague memories of going to the place in town, the Boy Scouts set up where they go sell the Christmas trees or the fire department where they go sell the Christmas trees. And we would go pick up a tree from those guys. But one year, my dad decided to make the change. Now, we were never going to go for a fake Christmas tree. Artificial Christmas trees? It's not Christmas if you can't smell the Christmas tree in the living room. But Dad, they have nice lights. Oh, we're not getting an artificial tree. And that was the end of it. We never, never had an artificial tree in my house. Not a single time. My dad would not hear of it. Christmas was about live trees. Now, the first time that I remember going out to cut our own Christmas tree, we were visiting my grandmother up in upstate New York. This is one of those Thanksgiving trips when my cousins were there, when my family was there. My aunt and uncle owned property where they had trees growing. They weren't running a tree farm, but they had a lot of trees up there. And included in all those trees were some Christmas trees. I don't know if they were Douglas fir or balsam or whatever they were. They had a bunch of them up there. I was too little to care. I just knew it was a Christmas tree. Now, if you've ever seen the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, when they're going out for the tree way out in the woods, crawling up hills, that's where we were going. 
We were going way up in the sticks to go find these trees. And don't forget, we were a long drive from home, so we were finding a Christmas tree, and we were going to have to strap it to the roof of the car and drive it about seven hours to get it home. But it was a live Christmas tree, and we picked it out ourselves, and we cut it down, and that was good enough for my dad. So I remember it was snowy, it was cold, and I remember hiking through the woods till we found just the perfect tree. I don't have a lot of memories of it because I was real little at the time, but that was the first time we went out and cut down our own Christmas tree. And after that, that became the family tradition. We had to have a weekend where we would go to one of the local Christmas tree farms and cut down our own Christmas tree. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, message me on Twitter, whisper me on Twitch. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.